the words of Jesus. And it's found in verse 37. John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I want to read that again. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And we are going to be in John chapter 9 for this message this morning. If you want to turn there and leave your Bibles open, that will certainly be fine. Pray with me this morning. Father, we come before you right now, desperately in need of your touch, your supernatural strength, your help in our time of need. We pull up to the banqueting table of the Master, and we covet heavily the anointing of heaven. I'm reminded of what the psalmist said in Psalms 92 when he said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. That was a declaration. And it's a declaration that I make by, by faith and my confidence in you. And I pray, God, that you would hide your word inside of our heart, that you would communicate your word through us that many lives would be touched and hearts would be changed. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Outcast. That's the title of the message this morning, Outcast. Throughout the Word of God, there are several situations where people have felt let down or despised or abandoned by those around them. Often the ones who felt the most left out or cast down were those who experienced some kind of hardship in their life. Maybe they were physically handicapped and could not do for themselves. Therefore, were looked down upon by their peers. Some, you find, were lame or deaf or had emotional problems or were in spiritual bondage. And oftentimes, people looked the other way instead of trying to help them. Sometimes we just don't know how to help them, and so we just ignore them. And like many in the Word of God, they're left with their tin cups, crying out for someone to give them a little something to help them get by. What's even worse is when we mock them or pretend to be like them to gain some advantage. Have you ever complained? I have. Have you ever complained about too many handicapped parking places? I'm not the only one in this room that's complaining, so just go ahead and raise your hand, get it off your chest. You pull up to a, a store, and there's this multiplied load of handicapped parking places. Every other space seems to be taken, and it looks like you're going to have to park toward the end of the parking lot, and you're going to have to walk. God forbid you have to get a little cardio. 
I've complained about that, and yet not once have I had anyone say I prefer, because I have a handicap, to have a handicap decal or a handicap tag because the person is an amputee or they have difficulty breathing or they have a heart history and they need to be close to the entrance. I saw a person once in a wheelchair at King's Dominion. It was a person I knew. It was a person I had been her pastor in prior years. So we were at this recreation park, and I walk up to her, and she's in a wheelchair. And I said, what's wrong? What's happened? I was very concerned. And you know what she said to me? She said, oh, I just wanted to get quicker access to the rides, and this is the best way to do it. And I thought, what a mockery. My sympathy turned into quick anger, and I had to turn around and walk away. People feeling cast out or cast down by others. And I don't know if there's anyone in the New Testament that felt more like an outcast than the unnamed blind man of John chapter 9. We don't know his name. We don't know a lot about him. We just know that he was blind from birth. And as I was looking... We talked about this in our Wednesday night Bible study a few weeks ago, and the Lord kind of led me back in this direction uh, for today. I, I saw that he was outcast by many different entities. The first, I noticed that the blind man was outcast by the world. And I thought, and I researched, did you know that 72 people will go blind before this time tomorrow? Someone goes blind in, in the United States every 20 minutes. Just the simple fact that he was blind put him at a disadvantage in the known world of that day. He never saw the faces of his parents. He never saw the dog he heard barking. He never saw the sun that he felt warming his body. He never saw the flower whose fragrance was so potent to his smelling. Did you know blindness is one of the leading causes for depression? And though uh, one can argue that depression, a lot of it is self-inflicted, when you're blind, you sure don't need help from other people. And yet in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 30, two men were sitting by the roadside and they were both blind. And the multitude rebuked them, telling them to be quiet. I could almost hear the unwritten, unspoken message as they told them to be quiet. They probably said, no one wants to hear from you. You're just, after all, two blind men. In Mark 10, 46, there was a blind man who was named. His name was Bartimaeus. And the scripture said he sat outside of Jericho begging. And he heard Jesus was coming through. And he put his hands to his mouth. And he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. 
And the Bible says the people that were standing close by told him to be quiet, treating him like a second-class citizen. And all the more he cried out, Brother Gene, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. That's being outcast by the world. You ever felt outcast by the world? Maybe it's a condescending manager. Maybe it's an abusive co-worker or a classmate in school. Let me tell you this morning that the very fact that we have become children of God should tell us that we should expect that the world will treat us like outcasts. Come on now, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed a prayer, and he said, Father, I pray that you not take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil of the world. And I'm here to declare that if you are truly sold out to Christ, this world will not celebrate you. They will not cheer you. They will not pat you on the back. Rather, if your witness is bold and true, you can expect opposition and ridicule and possible persecution for your stand for the truth. Jesus teaches us that as the world hated him, they are going to hate us. But do you know the fact of the matter is I'm not supposed to blend in with this world. I'm supposed to be a city that is set on the side of a hill. I'm supposed to be a light that shines in darkness. I remember reading what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church when he said, people of God, you are to come out from among the world and be a separate people and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you, saith the Lord of hosts. I'm telling you, when you are feeling outcast by the world and you will experience it, I want to tell you it's okay. In fact, the scripture says, count it all joy when the world treats you as an outcast because in reality you don't feel at home in this world anymore. Don't allow the shaming and the despising of the world to get you down. You see in verse 59 of the very prior chapter, Jesus himself, they were trying to stone as he was leaving the temple. And, and so he, he knew exactly what it was like to feel like an outcast by the world. But did you know in the process of trying of feeling like an outcast himself. He found an outcast of society. He found a man broken and bruised and blind and he touched him and he miraculously gave him his sight. Let me just stop here and shout today I came to Jesus and he in no wise cast me out. He in no way cast me out. I want to tell someone today when the world despises you and the world rejects you and the world ridicules you. Always remember the simple but profound truth. Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. And as long as you have the love of Jesus, you're going to turn out okay. Can someone give the Lord praise? But as you follow his story in John chapter 9, you find that he was not only outcast by the world, but he became an outcast by his own family. Go and recount the miracle with me. Follow along. Jesus has given a brief teaching on being the light of the world to his disciples and to this blind man. 
interesting subject for a man who was born blind as Jesus is teaching on being the light of the world. And then Jesus does something very unusual. He spits on the ground, and then he made clay out of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with that dampened clay, and he told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. It was amazing for the people. Some actually had a hard time believing that he was the same blind man that had sat at the roadside begging. They asked him the question. They said, how were you healed? And this is what he said. He said, a man named Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and I did, and I received my sight. So the people brought him to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees began to question him and ultimately revile him, and we'll revisit that in a few moments. But the Jews did not believe that the blind man, that he had been healed. So in verse 18 through 22 of John chapter 9, they called in his parents, they called in his family, and they, they asked the parents the question, is this your son whom you say was born blind? How does he now see? And the parents answered and said, we know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we know not. We know not who has opened his eyes. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Now, I would, I would almost just kind of gloss by that a little bit, but then I read verse 22. I think they knew who healed him. I think they knew who brought about the miracle in his life, for in verse 22, it says, these words spoke his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that Jesus was Christ, he was going to be put out of the synagogue. And what's really troubling about this is the man had been blind from birth, and I read nowhere in John chapter 9 that the parents even celebrated the miracle of his healing. I don't read anywhere where they celebrated that their son that had staggered around blind and counted on other people and begged with a tin cup, hoping that somebody would give him some alms. I never read where they celebrated his miracle. How can it be? How can they be so indifferent? i tell you how it was. The Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus, and the parents were trying to avoid that very same trap, but they did so. In doing so, they failed to stand by their son. They would not stand with their own family member. And I want to tell you something. Their indifference left him feeling ostracized. Their indifference led him feeling cast out. Did you know that when they threw the blind man out of the synagogue eventually and he was wandering, he was out on his own. I do not read anywhere where mom and dad went looking for him, where mom and dad went to encourage him. I never went, never read anywhere in that chapter where they went to search and to seek him out. Uh, let me just stop here and take a few moments to talk uh, to the accomplishments of, of children in the house and in the family. Uh, parents, you don't have to physically abuse them and verbally abuse your children for them to feel left cast out or as an outcast or left feeling low. All you got to do is be apathetic and uncaring. Don't listen to how their day was. Just lack emotion and excitement 
excitement when they accomplish something great. And what will be happening is you will begin to cast them out emotionally. And you, somebody help me preach here. You'll begin to scar them by your indifference. And the Lord spoke to my heart, dealt with my heart. It's time to put the smartphone down and may I make eye contact with your kid when they're trying to talk to you. It's time to turn from the computer screen and turn your eyes upon them when they're trying to tell you how their day was. I'm trying to help some children get their healing. I'm trying to wake up some parents to the reality that we have to give our children that God has blessed us with the kind of attention that lets them know they are priceless in the eyes of God. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate when something great happens for them. Let's celebrate when God does something tremendous in their life. Let's applaud them when they move forward in this life that they live. Oh, God, help us that we're never indifferent to our children. Man, that's tough. The man was healed of blindness. Oh, I feel a meddlesome spirit coming on. We'll celebrate in academia. Academia, we'll celebrate in, in sports. We'll cheer with the best of them. But they come to us and we ask them what they've been doing and they tell us, well, for the last 15 minutes I've been praying and reading my Bible. My God, you ought to throw a party. Come on now, somebody help me. All the things of this earth is going to pass away. Celebrate when God does something in their life. They come off a youth camp and they have been touched and saved or restored or filled with the Holy Ghost or healed or something, a relationship has been healed. Man, you got to celebrate that stuff. you got to rejoice in the lives of your children because indifference will leave them feeling like an outcast. My God, I feel his spirit. Hmm. <laughs> There's a few movies that come along every now and again that I just, I just really like. Anybody ever see the movie Castaway? Tom Hanks. I love that movie. For those of you who've never seen it, let me give you the capsule version. The man's a FedEx supervisor. He gets on a plane. The plane has all these packages. And it crashes out in the middle of the ocean. He's the only survivor. Him and a bunch of packages. He's stranded on an island. <laughs> After he got over the emotional trauma of being stranded, he, he discovered all these packages floating about in the water, and he started opening them up. And there was one specific item he took and it became attached to. It was a soccer ball named Wilson. <laughs> a friend named Wilson. He put hair on Wilson. He fixed up Wilson's face. And every day, 
he talked to Wilson. Wilson didn't talk back. But one day, after several days, he was on a makeshift raft trying to, trying to get off this island, trying to... He and Wilson were on the raft together. And he fell asleep. And as he fell asleep, a wave came by and kind of hit his raft, and Wilson tumbled off into the water. And when he woke up, Wilson was drifting way out to sea, and he couldn't get to him. And I'm telling you, this is real, man. He was wailing and crying, Wilson! Wilson! Tears are flowing. And I'm sitting in the movie theater looking like a blubbering idiot. I'm crying about Wilson. Wilson's a soccer ball for Pete's sake. It was comical, and yet it was sad. Man, I've thought about that so many times. And I thought this week about people living in this town and this county. They live in homes. They may even live in Christian families. But they feel despised and alone as outcast. They bottle it up. No one knows their pain. And then we wonder why they turn to drugs or porn or alcohol or another loser relationship. Why they end up in prostitution or homelessness. Because they're looking for an outlet. Because they've been outcast by family. You see, here's truth. It's, it's one thing if the world casts you out. It takes on a whole new meaning when your family leaves you feeling like an outcast. So he was outcast by the world and outcast by his family. His family was indifferent. The man had been healed. Mom and dad didn't even celebrate. And then there was another entity. He was, he was outcast by religion. If you follow the story even more closely, the Pharisees, the religious people, they called the man in and said, asked him, how would you receive your sight? He told him. He told him how this man Jesus had healed him. And then they said, well, what do you say about him? This one that opened your eyes and the man didn't bat an eye. He looked at him and he said, he's a prophet. He's a prophet. There's some further dialogue that goes on and the Pharisees representing religion said to the, high, the healed blind man, why don't you go ahead and state that this healer is a sinner? And I love his response. <laughs> he said, whether the man Jesus is a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I know, once I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> he wasn't intimidated by these religious leaders. In fact, he said, you keep asking me about how he opened my eyes. He looked at him and said, do y'all all want to become his disciples? At which point, 
with more debate back and forth, they thrust him out of the temple. They cast him out. Now, this was significant. He was excommunicated. When you're excommunicated from the synagogue, you're treated like a publican, a tax collector, like a sinner. The religious people have nothing to do with you. Your reputation is ruined. And this, my friend, is what religion will do to a person if we're not careful. This revelation came to my heart this week, and it applied to me as well as anybody in the room. As tempted as we are to sin, we are also tempted to be religious. That's tweetable. As tempted as we are to sin, we are equally tempted to be religious. When you become religious, you will try to force people into your mold, into your frame, into your parameters. Religion will dissect a new believer and try to dress them. Last time I checked, the Lord said, go and be fishers of men. I read nowhere where he said it was our job to clean them up. They don't initially conform to religion's standards and religion's directions. They'll be cast out. Oh, they, they, they still come to church, but they'll, they'll feel ostracized with the sneers and the snide looks and the body language that, that says I'm not wanted here. That is what man-made religion will do for you. I mean, the blind man received his sight from Jesus, but he got a hearing from religion. The blind man received a new lease on life from Jesus, but he received a hard time from religion. The man was thrust out of the temple with his, rights, with his sight restored physically and spiritually. But I thought this week, if he hadn't been thrust out, he would have stayed in the religious temple and he would have remained blind spiritually in darkness, trespasses, and sins. Thank God for the day I was delivered from religion and went into relationship. Thank God for the day that it was no longer about a bunch of external rules, but I knelt my knee at an altar and said, Jesus, I want a relationship with you, and everything changed from there. My God. And by the way, we don't practice throwing people out of church at the Pulaski Church of God. This is a place of healing. Jesus flipped tables because of religion. Jesus took a whip and drove people from his father's house because of religion. We're not religious. We are relational. Relational to Jesus, relational to each other, relational to the hurting and to the wounded. Now, let me get ready to close. My Lord, I preached less than 30 minutes. I did good. If you notice in John chapter 9 at the beginning, I love this. Jesus initiated the blind man's physical miracle. Go look at it. Jesus looked him up. Jesus was teaching, talking about being the light of the world. And, and then he 
he spit on the ground and he took the clay and he, he anointed his eyes and he, and he sent him. But in the grand scheme of things, Jesus has much more interest in your life spiritually than he does physically. He wants you with him for all of eternity. And just healing your physical blindness is not enough. He wants to open your spiritual eyes as well. And so worlds cast him out and families cast him out and religion has cast him out. But the story doesn't end at there. If you go to the end of John chapter 9, you find that Jesus has heard, he's heard that they cast him out. And when Jesus found him, Jesus went looking for him yet again. <laughs> and he looked at him and said, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? And he said, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. He laid down religion and he found relationship. You see, as I thought about that, I thought, if anybody knows about what he was going through, that man did. The world had cast him out, the family had cast him out, religion had cast him out. Jesus knew his pain and Jesus knows yours. Isn't that what happened to him? The world hated Jesus from the beginning. Didn't they? From the very beginning. As an infant, the world entity was trying to destroy Jesus. All the way through his earthly life was trying to kill him and wipe him out. Family treated Jesus as an outcast. One time they talked like he was beside himself. He was crazy. He was out of his mind. Even his family at one juncture treated him indifferently and was critical of him. His own mother and brothers. Religion. Religion would be the tool that would be used to crucify Jesus. Oh, let me tell you, it might have been the Romans that drove the nails, but it was religion that put him on the cross. Mm. So he knows. <laughs> and that's why he says, he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Would you bow your heads? There could be several. There was a name that came to my mind this week as I was praying about this message. There could be many. But today you're, you're, you're feeling downtrodden. You're feeling outcast. Maybe it's the world that has done it. Maybe it's where you go to work every day and you say, Pastor, nobody knows the abuse that I have to contend with.
Sometimes I, it gets so difficult, I feel like an outcast. Sadly and soberly, there are people in the room that have been made to feel like an outcast from family. You may even profess to know Christ. You may even be a believer, but the hurt that has been caused by your family has left you feeling alone, alienated, isolated. Maybe you're here today and maybe it didn't happen on the current watch or with the current church or with the current pastor, but maybe, maybe something happened in years past where religion, religion wounded you. And you've struggled getting past it. It's time to take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. For Jesus said, anyone that comes to me, I will in no wise, I will in no way cast out. I'm of the biblical opinion that one touch from the hand of the Master can heal every hurt that you've ever experienced. While no one's looking around, you'd, you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I've been, I, I, I feel like I've been cast out by the world. I've been cast out by family. I've been cast out by religion. It could be one, two, or all three of those entities that have left you feeling alienated, isolated, and alone and downtrodden, would you just lift your hand this morning? You're in the house of God. Hands are going up everywhere. Hands are going up everywhere. Come on. Come on. Be honest. You may lower them as there are others that would raise their hands and say, hey, that's me. The Holy Spirit is talking. This is not the preacher talking to you. This is the Holy Spirit talking to you. Let me tell you what you need. You need the arms of Jesus put around your shoulders. That's what you need. You need somebody to come alongside and represent Christ. And Jesus is here this morning. He is at this altar. He is waiting for you to come and finally and once and for all lay down that and understand that he would never cast you out, that all he wants to do is embrace you. Are you ready this morning? I saw at least eight or nine hands go up. Are you ready this morning? Are you just going to acknowledge it and just walk away and continue to carry it? Or are you going to say, you know what? I, I want to I release it today. I want to turn it loose today. Would you come? Come on. Come on. Whoever you are, if you want to come and kneel, if you want to come and stand, Come on, all over this house. Come on, they're coming. Maybe you didn't raise your hands, but you still want to come. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. He's wooing you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, they're still coming. They're still coming. Let me tell you what I need, church. I need some arms of Jesus. I need some arms of Jesus. I need them now. I need them now. You know those that are up here? Maybe you don't know them at all. They 
need to feel the arms of Jesus. Hallelujah. You are able. You are able today. Stretch your hand in this direction and begin to pray. I mean, begin to pray for where you're Down your hurt, 
is joy for the morning. Oh, sinner, be still. This earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. So lay down your And all who are broken, oh, lift up your face, and wanderer, come home, for you're not too far. Lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you. have not a clue the people in the store and the family on the college campus in the schools we can't really wrap our minds around it how many people feel like an outcast But wouldn't it be great to be the hands and feet of Jesus? It doesn't just have to happen in an altar on a Sunday morning, the last Sunday in July. Mama Jean, somebody's going to walk into this Women of Worth Fitness circuit one day. And they're not going to be looking near as much to tone up as they are for somebody to be a listening ear and a cheerful hand on their shoulder. You believe that? That's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to throw your hands to heaven and say, God, I want, I want you to help me reach some outcast this week. Would you do that right now? Somebody that's been outcast by the world. Somebody that's been hurt by religion. Somebody that's been devastated by their family. Oh, Lord. saints cry out right now God use me use me to touch someone that's been a, that feels like an outcast let me speak some encouraging word to a to a waitress that's trying to make it on that average income with two small children at home because of a deadbeat dad that has left the situation God, let me speak an encouraging word to an elderly lady that just became a widow. Let me not be in so much of a hurry that I'm not willing to touch someone that is an outcast. My God, my God, Holy Ghost, impress and implant cement this word to our heart. 